The first one is a movie song classic. The second one is potentially the greatest song of all time. So can Men in Black 3 deliver us another brilliant song to dissect on that song from that movie? Shoop, shoop. Yeah, I'll do. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your Mr. Worldwide host, Dietrich, mm-hmm. and we're joined by the man who would have no problem pimp slapping the shiznit out of Andy Warhol, Alex. <laughs> yep, but it, it, it isn't Andy Warhol, is it? Or is it? It's definitely not the real Andy Warhol. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> yeah, I thought, well, I mean, they did travel back in time, did they not? Mm-hmm. They filmed it a while ago. I mean, it must be really difficult to piece together. You know, there's a lot of filming in, in 1969, and then it's a good job the special effects came in just in time for them to do that part where he falls off the building. When anyone goes back to the 60s in time travelling, do they go to any year other than 69? Because it's always <laughs> 69. <laughs> nice. I think when it happened in um, in Goldmember, it was intentional. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think in every film, Alex, it's intentional. <laughs> it's always intentional. Well, it made sense in this film, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. And we're also joined by the man who the young version of would definitely be played by Josh Brolin, Ben. I would be incredibly privileged for a young, <laughs> for an any age Josh Brolin to play a young speckled Jinner. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, Josh Brolin wearing like a carrot top wig. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I know he plays a lot, but I'd consider him to be a character actor in which he usually plays Josh Brolin. He can play a purple Josh Brolin, but he usually plays Josh Brolin. Yeah, he played a child to Josh Brolin in The Goonies, didn't he? Well, yeah. He's still he's still pretty beefed up. In fact, that Josh Brolin is still bigger than Ben at any age. <laughs> ben now. That Josh Brolin could play you now. 31-year-old Ben, yeah. Yeah. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> still love it. I watched The Sea Beast on Netflix. You watched that, yeah? The animated one. Not even heard yeah, of it. I'm glad you, you clarified it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just flicking through, looking for random films. It was all right, actually. It's got a decent cast. I don't know if it's anyone famous. I think it's like maybe an ex-DreamWorks director. It's pretty good. Of those, you know, non-big three animated movies. Would you recommend it? Or uh, Yeah, I'd say so. I wouldn't say it was a kid's film. Uh, heads up, Alex. But yeah, it's decent. Alex? I did watch a, a film this week. It's a film called Ali and Ava, and it is on Netflix, if anyone's interested. But it's set in Bradford, so, you know, that's close to us. <laughs> my my expectations have gone, have gone really low. Well, they, they should be going really high, because it was a very, very good film. I, w- I would compare it kind of to Once, but it oh, wasn't yeah. a musical, oh, yeah. although there was a, the music did play a large role in the film. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know if I'd enjoy Once if it didn't have the music. Yeah, well, I mean, music wasn't born in the film, but it just wasn't a musical in the same okay. way. But it was okay. a similar kind of story um, yeah. and a similar vibe. But it was probably, I personally thought it was better than that because it had it was more grounded in realism. It came out, it's a, it's a really recent film, I think it came out a few months ago. But yeah, it's really, I would really, really highly recommend it. It's very good. Awesome. And it's got a song in it called Slave to the Radio, which I have not got out of my head for a very good long na- time. Good name for a song, though. Like yeah. Get on it. Good film. What about you, D? It's time for Marvel Corner. Yeah, I've been to see yeah. Thor. Have you guys seen uh, Thor? No, I've not seen it. No, I, I have COVID. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that aspect. I've heard not amazing things about it. 
It's all right. It's okay, yeah. That's what most people said. As as we've all of Phase Four, <laughs> other than the Spider Man movie, they're all six out of tens. Yeah, I, it's not it's not been going well so far. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is I w- I've watched all of Ms. Marvel. Yeah, I've watched Ms. Marvel. I assume you think six out of ten as well. Yeah, may, may, well, maybe slightly less, but yeah. Interesting, because I I thought the first two episodes were really good. Yeah, and it felt oh, yeah. like something yeah, yeah, interesting, yeah. and yep. then it went off a cliff. And it just milled out at six out of all ten. The, yeah, basically, I, it felt like they used all their creative, uh, stylistic choices in like the first ten minutes, and this yeah. was like this is what we want it to be like, and then just realised how much effort that was, and just thought I can't love it. Pretty much, which is a shame because like she's a really good character, and like it really, so it really fits. But like the show around her is I, not that interesting. Again, all phase four, all these new characters. The characters interesting. Who's playing yeah. them is pretty good, but then the stories are terrible. Exactly. But don't you think, like, if you to go all the way back to the beginning, the original Phase 1 films weren't that good until the first Avengers film, and that kind of made them yeah. better. So, yeah, I mean, basically. maybe it's just the same. I mean, the first Iron Man is decent. Yeah, they are all they were all okay. Like, none of them were terrible, but there weren't any good ones, were they really? Not like any really standout films from that first no, 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 no. I mean... No, you know, I agree. It, it, it feels like we're, we're back in Phase 1, that sort of... We're just introducing people yeah, but, for down the line. Obviously, Comic-Con, they announced about a billion films. So it is it is going yeah. somewhere. I'm so, I'm so exhausted. Isn't it hard to be like excited about that, though, as a Marvel fan? Like, oh, there's another 50 films and TV shows coming out. It's, that's, sooner or later, people are just going to get so fatigued with it that they just can't keep up. I feel like that's already I, I, happening. I am there, yes. I am definitely there. I'm sure I read the idea with the current phases, you're not supposed to be watching everything. You're supposed to pick and choose what, what what's, what's to you. <laughs> it's a stupid, stupid model. Let's just create so much content that somebody is watching something at any given time. <laughs> well, yeah, like that is the streaming way. Look at Netflix, for example. They've absolutely flooded their service with absolute tripe that nobody wants to watch, and it, it's gone down the shitter. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? <laughs> Why did we fund six Adam Sandler movies? It was, it was, that was the common joke, wasn't it? Throughout like South Park and everything was that it was just impossible for them to say no. Exactly. So today's episode is our third exploration into the world of Men in Black, Men in Black 3, and its hit song Back in Time. Unfortunately, not by Will Smith, but instead by Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, Little Chico himself, Armando Pitbull Perez. Chico. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, Time for some history. So stinking rich Manchester City got their hands on the first of many Premier League titles in what is arguably the best moment in Premier League history. It is the best moment. So I'm of course talking about the Aguero goal. If you want to give that a crack, go for it. No, I think that's probably the best. No, that'll do. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) For me, this is a real like, where were you moment. Mm-hmm. I know where I yep. was because I was working in a call centre, huddled around like six or seven, is huddled around somebody's phone who just happened to be a Man United fan, which made it all the sweeter. I was in Grad Bar on Lancaster University campus, and w- there was a really great moment where there had been a guy who had been sat at the bar the entire time in a jacket, and when that girl went in, he ripped off his jacket. <laughs> he was wearing a man t-shirt. He ran around the room because the bar again needed the yeah, confidence. Well, the bar was filled with Man United fans, so that made it all all the sweeter as well. Dee similar story nice uh, i was in a corner shop buying a full pack of chocolate digesters which were consumed before the final whistle <laughs> and i did not go before the match died <laughs> was it one of those extra long packs or was it like a normal size pack i couldn't afford those <laughs> okay so you bought two normal yeah, packs, yeah, yeah, two normal packs. 
In the art world, a pastel version of Edvard Munch's famous expression work, The Scream Goes on Sale. So I assume you both know which piece of artwork I'm referring to there. Yeah. The Macaulay Culkin face. Uh, but it always confused me that there's many different versions of that done. Yeah. Yeah, th- that was a re- revelation for me as well when I was putting this history segment together. I assumed there was just one. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think people who like to sort of say, oh, it was stolen. And then we like an asterisk and it's like one of several. <laughs> one of 25,000 versions. Do you want to guess how much it went for? God, I've not got. I've not got a mark. Ninety me. million. Yeah, pounds. I was twenty-five million. It's one hundred nineteen million. Yeah, okay, well, I'm making that face. I didn't write down what currency though. Probably dollars, I imagine. If it, if it's probably dollars, yes, yeah. probably dollars. So close to ninety million pounds. In fact, dead on. Thanks. Especially when you account for inflation at the time. Of course, exactly, exactly. Which I always do. But the biggest news story of the month, and I mean this for real, so uh, strap yourself in. For realsies. The biggest news story of the month takes to Baku where a relatively unknown singer going by the name of Lorene <gasps> wins the 57th edition of the Eurovision Song Contest with a little song called Euphoria. I thought you'd have a button there to press that just... <laughs> Euphoria called Euphoria. But no. Pro- proper, probably the greatest song of all time. I mean... It's definitely it, up there. It was certainly yeah. the best song of that year. So, so, yeah, I mean, if, we do, if, we, <laughs> if we were to do and that song from that movie, Pole, of all songs being eligible, being eligible, it it would win. <laughs> It'd be up there. It, it, it should get at least two votes. Yeah. And in Eurovision news today, it's been announced that the next Eurovision <laughs> is going to be in the UK. Yes. Come on, Leeds. Come on, Leeds. Uh, did, that's would, that's the favourite. Would we would be doing a, that song from that movie Road Trip to the uh, first ever terrain. <laughs> road trip <laughs> down the road. Well, for Ben. <laughs> your, your road trip, yeah. So we have to travel all the way down to Norwich to a road trip back to where we live. Yeah. Did ben, ben, did you just reference a Euro trip? <laughs> well, you Yeah, your road trip. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Matt Damon can come along. Why have we not done that? For, I mean, side. We, 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 we definitely, we need to exhaust a few other options. First. We've, got the, we've got this legendary song to cover. <laughs> we've got another Men in Black Slow to go down. after this one. Yeah. So anyway, we are talking about Men in Black 3, eventually, which was released in May 2012. I can't remember if I said that or not, but you should have guessed. Well, everyone knew that. Because that is when Lorene's Euphoria yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as soon as you said Everyone that. knew where they were when that happened. Yep. I was in the corner shop again, buying another pack of... <laughs> I was on, in a call centre huddled around <laughs> yes. uh, for fun. It just happened to be the fact that the guy's phone, he was a Moldova fan, and he turned it off in anger. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Anyway, so Men in Black 3, uh, once again, is directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, the third in the main trilogy of the Men in Black films, and the, probably the last one we'll talk about, because I don't <laughs> think anyone wants to do Men in Black International. Nope. So it's a time-travelling romp, when arch-nemesis of Agent K, Boris the Animal, escapes from the moon prison he has been incarcerated in, Boris seeks his revenge by going back to 1969 and killing young Agent K, for s- some reason. Uh, in the now-altered future, Agent J is unaffected, and cannot find the, the now deceased 40-year-old K. So for um, some reason, he goes back in time to prevent Agent K's death and ends up meeting a younger version of Agent K. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> Did we follow that? Did we follow it in the film? Uh, uh, yes. I, I followed it in the film, yeah. Yeah, I followed it in the film. It was much more succinct than your uh, <laughs> description of it. <laughs> Thank you. We all love the first movie. We all dislike the second movie. What are your initial thoughts on the third movie? Uh, it's in the middle. Yep, it's in the middle for me. It was too. one of those like you just didn't you just didn't need it. I remember when they announced it, I was like, "Why? 
And when they said time travel, of course they're doing time travel. <laughs> but it was fine. It just wasn't needed. I liked the sentiment of it, but I hate people that change narratives in films that aren't pre-planned because you're trying to give more weight to something that just never needed it in the first place. I think they did it well, and I'm referring to, spoiler, the fact that Jay's dad died, and then you find out that Kay's been looking over him this entire time. Yeah. Uh, I do think they do it well, I just didn't need it. Well, I mean, I don't know when you guys saw this film, probably in 2012. But, I mean, I was too busy watching Loreen, so I missed it. <laughs> I'm just watching it over and over. Just watching it, not listening. Just watching. Just, no, both. Both. Over and over again. So I only watched this today, and oh, wow. I actually thought it was pretty good. Like, I thought it was going to be awful, like the second one, but actually it was. I thought it was quite fun. Even, like, with all the time travel, it still made a lot more sense than Men yeah. Black 2. Um, it was a lot more enjoyable to watch, and it was, it was just a bit of a of a fun romp, which I think mm. the second one just completely missed, and it like it just wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable at all. I think obviously there's yeah. that horrible plot line where Jay has to kind of get Kay's memory back, which is just so painful. I mean, in this one, they just decided not to have Tommy Lee Jones in it, which probably wise, I think. But yeah, I thought that the ending as well was surprisingly emotional. I was like, oh, this is quite, this is, I, like you said, but I think they did that, tied that all together quite well. And actually, the yeah. time travel aspect of it, I think, did sort of work. Like, I never it is, really it does. felt like it was, because a lot of the time when you watch any film with time travel, you're always trying to say, well, that doesn't make sense or, or that doesn't quite tie up. But it seemed to all kind of connect. I was confused initially why Jay wasn't affected by the time travel but then there was the whole thing about him being there already mm-hmm. oh so he's already there he's already been there so he's already done it so why did k disappear that's what i couldn't quite get like if he'd have already done this then how come it affected the future it's all a bit muddled that part but with i a- thought that it didn't matter <laughs> ultimately so i think yeah as a film i thought it was actually quite good it was kind of like the kind of yep. sort of fun sort of rompy film that they don't really make anymore. I guess like superhero films are similar to it, aren't they? Or have taken over the mantle from films like this, but yeah, yeah I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, I think it's, it's it is pretty good as much as I'm in front of it during the synopsis. It, and it does fall somewhere in the middle. Like yeah. it doesn't it definitely does not reach the heights of the first one, isn't it? It's just not as well-rounded as a film as that one, but it's just so much better than the second one. I feel like that's the actual justification for this film, that the second one was so badly received <laughs> that they felt they had to do a third one. Uh, uh, yeah, I think... Almost like just, undo it. I think they, they they find reasons. I mean, they made a fourth one, and by that cycle, like, if they made the fourth one because the third one was quite liked, and then the fourth one was hated, we'll just ne- we'll get an infinite number of Men in Black films because they always find a reason. <laughs> yeah, until they finally remake the first one. Scene by scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring Jaden Smith. Um, Don't give him ideas. <laughs> it's one of those things, like, Alex, obviously you watched it for this pod. I just feel like I would never, I'll never watch it again. Whereas the first one, if it's on TV, I'm, I'm inclined to watch it. There's a draw to it. It was that time, and I guess Will Smith was gold dust. I, I don't get the same feeling with this film as much as I, like I said, I thought they did it well. And I think I enjoyed it when I watched it. It's it's gone from me now, and that's it. Which is is that enough? I guess they got my money. Yeah, that's all I care about. Will because I think in that first one you've got Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are just like this perfect pairing, 
And they do, to an extent, recapture some of the magic with Josh Brolin here. I think it is a really good impression that he does. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah like it, it, fresh, it does freshen it up enough to, to feel different without being too detached from the, the, the trilogy. But it's just that spark isn't there that is there in the first one and isn't there in the second one. Yep. Critically, the movie lands in the middle of the trilogy with a respectable 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems, again, about fair. It's all very sort of everyone in agreement, handshaking, going, yes, job well done, guys. Let's leave the franchise here and never speak about it again. If only. I did write these notes a while ago, so I've got a section here about the New York Times. <laughs> Back when uh, that used to be that the main point of this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, the New York Times said it was a movie of no particular agenda, uh, which is why it's so much fun. Which I thought was weird because it's quite a strong thread about like racial inequality in the sixties. Yeah, it's an odd just just on that. It's odd, isn't it? Because it comes up when he first goes back there, but I feel like then it's kind of brushed under the carpet for the rest of the film and never doesn't seem to be referenced. So it was kind of odd that. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely there. It's definitely present. It's in the film. <laughs> it's just it, it just went nowhere. What's really odd about this is that the New York Times review did not mention anything misogynistic at all, <laughs> and and this was a movie that starred like height of her powers Nicole Scherzinger. I mean, starred is a strong word. <laughs> L- L- Lily Boy. I was really confused by her role in this film. Because she was in it for all of like one minute of screen time and then was just like, died. <laughs> I didn't understand. It's like her role in Moana. I yeah, just well, think, that, like, that, why yeah, is she in it? Confusing. She sings one line. You, you, for a musical, you have Nicole Scherzinger and she sings one line. This is news to me. She's, she's the player's the mum. Does she? She builds the leaves to build fires and cooks yeah, up the yeah. meat inside, Ben. That's it, yeah. That one line that Alex just said then, that's all she sings. It makes no sense. Fair enough. But but not the only member of that cast of Moana who is in this film. Because obviously Jermaine Clement is in both. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Shiny. Much like Men in Black 1 and 2, this movie had so many scriptory rights and production problems. So we should be glad, really, he landed closer to the first one than the second in terms of quality. I'm going to run through some of the changes. So the initial storyline was proposed by Will Smith himself during the <laughs> making of the second one, <laughs> oh, which either means he was very confident <laughs> in, in Men in Black 2 or knew he was making a dud and had to already start coming up with new ideas. <laughs> the director liked the idea and began fleshing it out, eloquently describing the process as very long. <laughs> the first fork in the road was the director, though, Apparently, Will Smith didn't want him back because there was conflicts on the set of the second one, but i that's all I could find. And I guess they worked out because he directed this one too. He probably signed a two-picture deal or something like that, or had a contract with the studio, so they were like, let's just get him out of the contract with the third film. Yeah, maybe. Usually, they, when they sign two-picture deals, which I think most directors do, they almost it's like one for, one for them, one for me. I think he might, he might have been wanting to do his one for me, and they were like, that's a terrible <laughs> film. Give him any but three. Yeah. The next change was scriptwriter Eton Cohen, fresh off his success with Tropic Thunder, came in and, in all intents and purposes, wrote the script, taking Will Smith and Barry Sonnefeld's work and apparently making it into a fully-fledged movie. So how bad was that first script that he wasn't even considered a movie the first time around? (laughs) They then got in David Coop, that's the guy who wrote the first Spider-Man Sam Raimi film, and also the fourth Indiana Jones, well let's not talk about that one. God. And also... Jeff Nathanson is a duo who wrote Rush Hour 2 and 3. Ooh, yeah. Well, my God, they got all the big jobs in this then. Rush Hour 2. Exactly. Well, they came in to punch up the script and right, said that right. they only rewrote the bits in 1969, but that's like that's four-fifths the, of the movie. That's the, that's the film. <laughs> yeah, so we're up to like four rewrites of this film and no one seems to be happy yeah. with it. So, of course, the next step is to start filming. 
So they started filming without a finished script, and Sonnenfeld said of the experience, we knew when we started the movie that we didn't have a finished second or third act. Was it responsible? The answer is, if this movie does well, as I hope it does, it was genius. <laughs> it's like, well, if I get a good grade, then it's all, it's all worth it. If I don't get caught, speeding was fine. Yeah, 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 it is. It's, it's, like a, it's a flawed logic, isn't it? If I've done well, then it's fine. <laughs> then it all worked out as it should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I win, then I've won. <laughs> so, guys, what's a Will Smith episode without talking about the award season? Yeah, bringing the Grammy. Well, this is the first episode we've had since Will Smith selfishly ruined our EGOT joke. Yep. Obviously, Men in Black 3 received no Oscars, no Golden Globes, no BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. But like the second movie, it was nominated for visual effects. I mean, again, I think it's probably a nomination that is, uh, it makes is warranted. It had, spe- it had special effects, yes. Uh, it did lose, though, to Avengers Assemble. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, the special effects in this one are much better than the special effects in the second one. Oh, God. I think especially... Other than the worms. <laughs> the, the worms are definitely better in the second one. The worms one. are amazing in the second one. But the worms are barely in this one. There was the part, the part like I mentioned in the beginning, when he, he was jumping off the building to time travel. There was like a weird thing going on with the CGI there. It was a bit like um, Harry Potter-esque, I guess, around the same time. I had weird CGI in a lot of... Uh, when you watch like, the Quidditch matches and stuff. Yeah. It just kind of remind me of that. Everything looks very squidgy. Yeah. I remember one thing that annoyed me about this film. Go on. The bloody car. What the heck have they replaced the car with? It went from that the the Forge Victoria, you know, that incredible like saloon car that they kind of have when they go back to it. And it's this like terrible like um it's a Ford still, and they use Ford so much and they keep flashing Ford, and it's even in the bloody music video for what we're about to talk about. But this car, I don't I'm gonna have to look it up what it is, it's shocking. No government agency would be driving this thing. I suppose it helps you blend in, but in the first one they weren't bothered about that, and that car is awesome. I thought you were you were referencing those weird like gyro circle. Oh no, things. no, no! A Ford Taurus, a Ford Taurus. It looks shocking. If you compare that, the Ford go on, um, go on the go on the yeah. Look, I'm gonna just no keep listening. He's got a point. <laughs> Why, if you're the same company, <laughs> if you're going from Ford to Ford, why would you swap the to make a worse car? There must have been new cars that come out. It was all, it's, it's yeah, all, it must yeah, have been that. Oh, God, I don't know who to blame. David Cross, I'll blame you. And so we move on to the official song of the movie, and sadly, we're not speaking about another Will Smith classic. I guess we have to talk about Pitbull. I guess. So the song we're discussing is "Back in Time," which samples "Love Is Strange" by Mickey and Sylvia which itself is a, a, that song from that movie, because mm-hmm. it was in Dirty Dancing. It was in Dirty Dancing. Well, maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Something that Pitbull often does in his music videos. Very Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Pitbull's effort, in my opinion, is just terrible. Like, coming off the back of Men in Black in the first <gasps> one, and the greatest song of all time, Nod Your Head, in the second one, the pressure was on for Pitbull to deliver, and this just <laughs> is not it. I forgot how much you liked that that song. <laughs> But this is this this yeah. is this is Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> picture him with a Kodak. Or or better yet, go to Times Square and take a picture of me with a Kodak. Two of the best lines in any song ever. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> his bank says uh, that was ever two of the greatest lines. It still doesn't make sense. Does it need to make sense if he's getting that green? Me not working hard. Yeah, right. Picture that with a Kodak. Or better yet, go to Times Square and take a picture of me with a Kodak. I just don't get it. And my wife knows how much I hate word the same word rhyming with the same word twice. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get it off my chest. That's fine. That's fine. We'll have plenty of time to talk about Pitbull. Don't worry. You know he's trying to do the time travel mix old with new as the base of the song, mm-hmm. but it, it just misses the mark, in my opinion, I guess. But I'm assuming it's a shared opinion. What do you guys think of this song? Yeah, it's a shared opinion. I think what I didn't get... Well, first of all, this is the first... Today is the first time that I have ever heard this song before. Obviously not Love is Strange, because I have seen Dirty Dancing many times, but this <laughs> this adaptation of it. I think what struck me as the most confusing was that, that I looked it up and that song is from the 1950s. Um, this film is set in the 1960s, in fact, set 69 specifically. Could he not have sampled a song more from that time? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Do you think he checked when, when it was from when he made the song? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't... Do you think he had any involvement whatsoever in the writing of this song? I don't know. I don't know enough about Pitbull to know what his writing methods are. I just thought it was really weird. I felt like it was an, an easy thing to do, was to just sample a difference. Because it's not like he needs this song. It's not like this song adds anything. Unless it was like a reference to the fact that it was from another film. But the film it is from, that is most synonymous with, is a film from the 80s. So, although it's a film from the 80s about the 60s, which is still not from when this song was from. <laughs> it is a bit of six degrees of separation there that he's trying to help them out. Yeah, I just, it, I didn't, I didn't care for it really. Um, yeah. it, there was a reason why it only featured in the end credits, I feel. There, there was nowhere that it fit in the film itself. <laughs> and like, it was even when it was yeah. on in the credits, I was like, well, I only know this is the song because he's said it's Pitbull, it's Mr. Worldwide, it's Mr. 305. Lil Chico. Lil Chico. I mean, I wondered whether part of the reason why he got the gig from this is because he has Mr. Worldwide in his name, and that kind of sounds like something that would be like a character from Men in Black. But then it should really be like Mr. Universe or Mr. Intergalactic or something. <laughs> Not Mr. Worldwide. It, throughout the song as well, he keeps making these like little quips and jokes that are like references and laughing as if like you're in on the joke. And you're like, what you want about Pitbull? I had to like... <laughs> Like, he'll say, like, oh, you know, um, Agent A, and then, like, laughs, and you're like, what? And then I look up his name, and he's like, oh, his first name is, like, um, what is it? Armando. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe that's why it is. And he's, like, laughing as if, like, you know, you get it. Give me a few minutes, Pitbull. I'm be, I might do in a minute. But he keeps doing this, like, making, like, time jokes, and he's like, do you get it? And I'm like, wait a second. Oh, I see what, I see what you're trying to do here, Armando. <laughs> My, my absolute favourite thing is in the video, he actually uses the neuralizer at the end. It's like he almost wants you to forget about the song. He's <laughs> like, the song is so bad. That's a good point. It's so bad, you need to forget about it. And I will forever after this podcast episode. Um, well, I did watch an interview of Pitbull about the song, in which he spoke for two minutes about its creation, and it's all waffle and nonsense. Like, he vaguely spoke about meeting Will Smith, and then went on to say that he never spoke about I, making I mean, the record. They were in the same bar in the video. <laughs> Were they? <laughs> I mean, he yeah. was at the Andy Wall. Was I mean, the the club? What's the club? Bar? What's the club called? I forget. Oh, uh, yeah, no, the famous, know. famous, very famous club. Warehouse. Is it yeah. Warehouse? Thanks, uh, Warehouse. Maybe. I was getting confused that studio, or whatever. But guys, who am I to speak on Pitbull's behalf? Here's the man himself. As far as the sounds in the record, it's just things making it more modern, something that people can dance to, something about the clubs. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be where it's 
more Latin or more hip hop or more. I just call it global music. And when you bring something <laughs> together with such an amazing sample that everybody knows, an amazing franchise such as Men in Black 3, and then you bring modernized sounds to it, not only do we have a hit, we have like a hit, hit, hit. It's like a, like a hat trick. My favorite part of that is if you watch the actual video, it goes a hit, hit, and you can see his brain go, I need another word here. Hit. Nice. Yeah. He keeps referencing this global thing, though, and it's because his album was called Global Warming. Like it was on. Global. <laughs> it's because global music. Yeah, but global warming is just like the. the it's not a good thing, Pitbull. It's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, as we've experienced this week. <laughs> is he explaining. Know. Is he suggesting that he's responsible for global warming? Uh, yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it could, it could be. It's probably all his uh, private jets traveling worldwide with his global yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. Pitbull and, makes the world go around. And it was the factory. And it's actually referenced in the the film, The Factory. That's why Andy Warhol's warehouse. Oh, right, yeah. Nice. Warehouse. There you go. Uh, it's warehouse. It's factory. Yeah, so in this interview, that clip was from, and I'll put a link to the uh, interview in the uh, show notes oh, nice. if you want to hear the whole thing. I mean, He's not prepared for any question about the song or the music video, but it's, it's, like, it's like done during the, the filming of it. So he's dressed as Agent A. Isn't that just how he always dresses? Well, he keeps calling himself Agent A, saying, look, look how I'm dressed. He's, it's like he's trying to convince the people on the set that if he does really well, he could be in the next one. And is he? I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I've not seen the new one. I think he often rocks an open top shirt and suit combo. Oh, isn't this? And here he's wearing a tie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm wearing a tie. Uh, in the uh, critically acclaimed stomper of a hit, Timber. Yeah. Which... That's a good song, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, how can, how can we argue with someone that has 1.3 billion listens on YouTube? You can't. But, like, he he just likes to just be in random places, just kind of stood, because in that video, he's just, like, on some rocks in the middle of an ocean, even though the song has a very country feel, and he doesn't know where he is. He's just where he wants to be. He's around the world. He's worldwide. He is. He is. Yeah, he is. It's global music. It's global, yeah. We'll hear more from that interview later on. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Just to let you know, just to keep the uh, carrot dangling there for the listener. Yeah. So the song did pretty well with the general public somehow. <laughs> Going two times platinum in America, four times platinum in Canada. Maybe the threshold for going platinum in Canada must be much lower than it is everywhere else in the world. Because, I mean, Alex, you didn't even know this song existed nope. until today, let alone popular enough to go four times platinum. No, there's no hotel motel holiday in, is it? <laughs> is that the name of the song? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So I suppose the real story here is not what this song is or who it was sang by. It's what this song wasn't and who it's not sang by. Because why didn't Will Smith write the theme tune or sing the theme tune? It's a good question. It is a good question. One, apparently, the internet is not interested. Because <laughs> I spent absolutely fucking ages trying to find any mention of why Will Smith did not do the song for this. And I couldn't find anything. Um, eventually, like stumbling upon some some Reddit threads saying that the reason why he couldn't commit to writing and performing doing the music video is because he was too busy filming After Earth. I hope for his sake that's not the case. He should not have been. <laughs> I did look into the production times of After Earth. <laughs> this man's done his research. And maybe lines up, but it's a music video. It'd take you two days. I mean, clearly his music video for Pitbull took him 25 minutes. So I have to assume there was a down day during After Earth because they weren't working on the actual movie. Is that the one where it's like him and Jane Smith? Yeah, and like everyone living on Earth has died and they've been in like a spaceship. M. Night Shyamalan. Is it M. Night Shyamalan? M. Night Shyamalan, yeah. 
I mean, he he generally only makes terrible films now. Well, I don't know. The what was it? The one that was like the threequel to um. For for everyone, you can say I can say three. Split. <laughs> split. Yeah, split was good. Well, yeah, but then we had old. Have you seen old? Old. That got good reviews. Oh no, it? I did not. Well, you watch old. It is terrible. 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 Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. The village. Terrible. Yeah, the village is signs. He made, amazing. He has two, signs. Is amazing. Unbreakable is amazing. Six Sense. Oh yes, yeah, yes, got Six Sense. But yeah, we don't mention that one. The Last Airbender. And then he's got about twelve others that are shocking. Fair. Talking of shocking, the music video is another step down. We've hinted out a few times, so let's actually talk yes, about it. Not good. Like the first music video again, perfect. It encapsulates everything about the film, everything you need to know about the franchise. The second one, it was all right. Didn't match up to the song. But this one just feels like it was filmed in a like generic sewer set that they had lying around from I don't know, but they're filming one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films at the time, <laughs> and like a bar from New Girl, and just went, yeah, that'll do. It does look like the bar from New Girl. There is an attempt made to have Agent A blend in with the movie scenes because apparently it worked on Alex because he thought he was having a drink with Will Smith himself. Convince me. A process that Pitbull described as sophisticated integration. <laughs> I mean, it might be the most sophisticated he's done. But who am I to speak on Sir Pitbull's behalf? Oh, right. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so to hear the man describing the music video himself. I'm sitting back. Here we go. When you're talking about Agent A, you got to have the, the sexy women. Of course. So there's definitely <laughs> sexy women. Yep. Uh, we're just getting started right now as we speak. We're warming up. We have a very beautiful, beautiful Colombian woman. That's uh, in the scenes with me right now. Her name is Joanna. And then we have Cuban women and we have Mexican women. I mean, this is, this is, you know, that's my new name. Agent A slash United Nations. I bring them all together, baby. What? I think that speaks for itself. <laughs> Special Agent A slash United Nations. It's like, it's like he's playing one of those games, you know, when he's been on a radio show early that morning and said, how many times can you... St- Mention the word, you know, mention women, just you know, away from the question, because it's like he's he's got ADHD or something. He's just gone. He can't remember what the question was. In fact, you know what? I can't remember what the question was. He was trying to answer. He just went elsewhere. <laughs> just started talking <laughs> about all the different nationalities of the women that he's, uh, yeah, getting to do derogatory things. Probably. I mean, at least put them in us in the suits. You know, like, in, like, they've done in other films, they're doing the other videos, yeah. there's no sort of, like, they, and they're wearing, like, some sort of dominatrix outfit in this little cafe. Yeah, the, is it try, it's trying to, to replicate the dress that Nicole Scherzinger's character's kind of wearing in the beginning, isn't it? I think. That's sort of what it's okay. trying to do, right. I think. Yeah, I think what's what's saddest about the video and the song is that, like, it felt like it was such an integral part of what Men in Black was, especially in the first film. Like, the song was massive. Yeah. And it was just, like, it felt like it was whole part of the package. And, like, they really they really thought about that extended kind of connection that music and film has. Whereas with this one, it's just, like, so throwaway and I just don't get it because it's, like, Will Smith is literally right there. Like, isn't that the whole point? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah. It was the one thing I was looking forward to, to like, hearing from from your research. And obviously, there, you haven't been able to find anything because for some reason the, the internet is is uh, as hidden whatever actually happened there. But I really wanted to understand it because I just feel like I can't. My mind can't wrap around why Pitbull is doing the theme song and why it's so crap. Well, I mean, I can understand why Pitbull is doing a crap yeah. song. I can understand that part of it. I just can't understand why it's Pitbull. 
<laughs> and why it's not Will Smith. Yeah, because if it had been Will Smith, it would have been like, hit, hit. Uh, hit. Yep, sad trick. Song after hit. song. <laughs> All round stinker, this one, really. No, it wasn't good. Thankfully, we won't have to do Men in Black International because it didn't have an official song. I mean, what is that about? I don't know. They had an unofficial song of uh, London Bridge by what? Fergie. <laughs> it, was, it, was o- it was only in like a 15 second clip, but it was like the entire trailer. So like, Ugh. if you put Men in Black International song, it comes up with uh, London Bridge, Fergie. That is one of the worst. Which is a great song. No, <laughs> You're only getting annoyed because the video is Tower Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe. Top five. Top five time. So, we've had a lot of tomfoolery and buffoonery on this episode. And you know who's not a fan of that? Pitbull? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Because he couldn't sanction <laughs> the Carey. buffoonery of Jim Carrey <laughs> on um, on Batman. But he's only partly in this, but has had a very illustrious career. So, I'm interested if you guys can put together Tommy Lee Jones' top five films based on their worldwide box office. Now... Franchises, I will count as the one film, like the highest grossing film. Okay. So, for example, Men in Black, there will be just one Men in Black film. So, but I want you to try before you lock in together. Put oh no. The five in. So, so it's it's box office, did you say, Ben? Worldwide box office, Tommy Lee Jones films. Okay. So, I, mean, I assume Men in Black will be in that, you would think. And then probably well, also. You've got to lock them in. You've got to lock them in in order. In order. Well, Batman Forever as well will probably be. Be in it. It was in um, Captain America. That, that probably made some money. Was he in that? He was in the first Avenger. He was one of the Army Corps poor guys. Oh, fair enough. Um, he was in, I mean, No Country for Old Men. He was in that and that one best picture. But I don't know if that would have done that well at the box office. Yeah, did that translate to that sweet dollar? Yeah. Well, not in comparison to Men in Black, I imagine. Because <laughs> Men in Black was like a Memorial Day weekend thing, wasn't it? So, And it was Will Smith off the back of Independence Day. So I'm assuming that must have done well. I think Men in Black won. If he was in Captain yeah. America, that surely would be high. But that was one of but the it, first Avengers films, wasn't it? it yeah, it was a, it was a first one. So I don't know if it did that well. So I am struggling to think of any films. He's was in. he in that Abraham Lincoln film? The one with Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis? That He was in that, I think. That would have done quite well. Played Thaddeus Stevens? Yeah, he was in that. I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to think of like films that he's actually been in. <laughs> it's difficult. That would have been huge. I mean, maybe he was in other franchises. This is tough. This is legitimately tough. Oh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you can't get five films. He's in one film that is pastiched in so many, spoofed in so many. Like it's in Simpsons. It's in Family Guy. Um, yeah, we'll tell you when you get it. Okay, of the of the ones that you know, where are you gonna put them? You said a few films. Yeah, well, Men in Black, I think one. Okay, maybe yep. Batman two. Okay, yeah, and then then Captain America that. three. Yep. I mean, we've named two others. I mean, those are the two I can Lincoln think of. and No Country. Or, or yeah, No Country for Old Men four, Lincoln yep. five. Yep. Okay. Do you think Small Soldiers did well? Because he was the, he was in that, wasn't he? Was he? Was he? Well, he was one of the was voices. He one of the voices in Small Soldiers. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah made a chip. Oh well, that would have done better than the last two. <laughs> Definitely. Well, put that four. Put that four. I, mm, no, that. it was a huge film no. at the time. That that was a huge film. Only because the PS One game was fantastic. I mean, the PS One game was amazing. Well, it was scary. It was scary. Is more soldier going in? I think no. Okay. You don't think so? Okay. Okay. Are you locking in? Yeah, go on them. You got two out of five. 
in the correct positions. Which is not bad to say how much you were struggling with that. So, the highest grossing Tommy Lee Jones film is Men in Black 3. The worldwide box oh, office wow. is $654 million. The next film, one that you didn't say, he was in the Jason Bourne film. So not one of the Bourne trilogy, the next one. He plays the director. <laughs> I wouldn't have even known that. The third is no, Captain America, idea. the first Avenger. Yeah. So you've got that in the right position. Oh, wow, okay. The next is The Fugitive. I don't Which is, it is joked in so many. Yeah, he's the guy that's chasing. Harrison um, Ford. Harrison Ford. When You know, there's a shot when they're on the sewage, you know, at the end of the... What, with the yeah, giant? but, it's, all, but, you, but it's, it's animated, so you don't think of it as him. Because <laughs> yeah. you know it's Harrison Ford in the film, but I've never when seen grandpa, the film. When grandpa jumps, grandpa jumps down, I forget what happens. <laughs> is it not Millhouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Millhouse, yeah, it's... Um, and then fifth is Batman Forever. So you've got that in the wrong position, so you've got that as a film. Small Soldiers is way down. It's like top 20. And there's other films. There's, yeah, Lincoln, JFK, Double Jeopardy, No Country for All Men, Under Siege, which I'm surprised you didn't even mention. <laughs> Under Siege. He's in Under Siege. Of course. <laughs> it's time to do a movie or song. Film. Do you remember when we started this podcast and like, movie or song, I don't know what it's going to be. It feels like the last few times we've done this, it's just been obviously one or obviously the other. I missed the days when it was, you know, an actual challenge. We like films. Yeah, so movie or song? Movie. Uh, uh, yeah, the film. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could. I'm fine for the both to go away. Bye bye. The film was surprisingly better than I thought it would be. Therefore, it's Disney winner. Alex, if it was a choice between Pitbull and Men in Black Three, what would you go for? <laughs> to save. Yes, yeah. Men in Black Three. <laughs> Men in Black Three and Pitbull are dangling over Cliff. <laughs> so it's like one of them's either like the DVD of Men in Black Three, yeah. and one is a human being Pitbull. Yeah. And yet yeah, I yeah, still yeah. am edging towards that DVD. <laughs> Yeah, nice. yeah, the final yeah. film. He's saying, "I'll buy you the DVD. I'll buy you one." <laughs> no, but it won't exist. It won't exist, Pitbull. <laughs> it's the final film reel. It's like the original hard copy. Yeah, and it's the only one left because the aliens took all the other copies. So now we're just left with the one, and I have to choose between that, preserving that for all of humanity, or yep. Pitbull. <laughs> this is for our forty-degree weekend, Pitbull. I know what I choose. I guess that brings it into another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you prefer, the movie or the song, on Twitter. Ben, what is our Twitter handle? At TSFTMPod. So you can help the podcast out in many ways, and one of those ways is on Reddit. But Alex, what random subreddit should the listeners share it to this week? Oh, God. I mean, I'm sure there is a Mr. Worldwide global music <laughs> The global warming subreddit? The global warming subreddit. Got climate change subreddit. Yeah, climate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> nice. So you can help the podcast by telling all your friends, leaving reviews, signing up to our Patreon and buying our merch. All the links are in the show notes. So all said now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. This episode has been my favourite moment in human history, unless this is the one where Ben says something stupid in his outro. And goodbye from Ben. I could be Agent B. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Looks out of window, comet. <laughs> Mushroom cloud in the distance. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. It'll see ya.
winning that Oscar and definitely faking a slap. <laughs> we give it a resty. I think it's been long enough now that we can agree it was a work. Stop tweeting about it. I know. I keep seeing your tweets, D. Give it a rest. It was a work. Give it a rest. <laughs> it wasn't a work. It certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't a work. We'll move on. Let's move on.